Hello everyone. Good evening as I record. Good morning wherever you are. Good afternoon wherever you are as you listen to this. Um, I just thought I'd record one off the bat. No real plan to this. I'm guessing we're just going to go through the uh, weekend fixtures coming up. Uh, but I hope you all had a good week. I've got a good weekend coming up. Um, it's the unfortunate news with the passing of Queen Elizabeth II, but alas, let's distract, distract ourselves even with some um, with some football talk. Got a decent weekend of action coming up. <clears throat> some really decent games, even if we're missing the big hitters of uh, what's it, United Leeds and Chelsea. Who are Chelsea playing? Jesus Christ, what a way to fucking start this. Um, yeah, we're going to go quite relaxed this week. Chelsea-Liverpool, there we go. What a game that was to, <laughs> to forget. Um, don't really have much of a plan. I've not written up some notes. I've got the fixtures we are going to talk about. Um, <clears throat> but other than that, not much. So yeah, hope you're uh, hope you're all well. Fancy like little email shit. Like I hope this email finds you well. As I'm sitting there in a bucket of your own tears. <laughs> uh, but yeah, let's let this uh, podcast distract you with some general general football chat. Um, so I guess we start first up. We've got two games on Friday night, which is odd. Odd. I don't even know why there's two games on Friday night. There's every now and again a Premier League one, but two. Not too sure why Fulham's game at Nottingham Forest is on a Friday but alas we move and we start with the Sky Sports game Aston Villa versus Southampton should be quite an interesting game really a lot of pressure on Steven Gerrard at the moment um he doesn't seem to really know his best team yet it's a bit bizarre um they were obviously under a lot of pressure before that Man City game but managed to manage to nab a nil uh, nil nil one one draw um and it could really have been a could really have been a win i feel like the, the goal that wasn't allowed should have stood um but yeah it cut off that run of three games on a uh on a row with losses and now they've got a more winnable fixture you'd have to think at home against southampton on a friday night Especially with the weird week. I'm not sure I love being an away team um, in a week like this. But alas, we move. I think Southampton have started well, though, this season. They've got some a lot of talent. And it surprises me because I thought they might have gone too into the into the youth setup. I think they lean, lent into it a little too much. But man, some of these players are have just taken to the Premier League like a duck to water. Uh, Romeo Lavio is actually missing this game this weekend, but he's been superb in midfield. Um, obviously, they've got James Ward-Prowse as their sort of captain. Reliable. He's part of the furniture at Southampton now. He really is. And is it Bella Kotchap? I'm not even sure I'm pronouncing that right. Armel Bella Kotchap looks like an absolute steal from... Uh, from Botcham. I don't know how much it cost, but whatever it cost, it wasn't enough. Uh, Botcham be watching this with a clenched fist like that Arthur meme. Just like, oh, fuck's sake, we missed out on him. Yeah, German, interna- German under 21 international, even. See, I'm still getting used to talking again, sort of chatting into a microphone on my own. It's, it's harder than it looks. I've got no feedback. I don't know if you even like this podcast but we move uh yeah they've got some really good young pieces with uh, Bella Kotchap Lavio as I say will miss the game Ward Prowse is superb he's really maturing he's a big part of the under 21s for it felt like a long time he's now like entering those late 20s he's entering his prime years and obviously Villa will not want to <laughs> give away a dead dead ball situation anywhere near the goal but it'll be interesting to see how this sort of uh, plays out, this game. Like, Southampton have had a good start to the season, but by no means are they 
un unbeatable. I mean, they have lost this season to to, to Wolves last week. Um, their other losses are not too not too shameful at at Tottenham and at home to United. But uh, I mean, Leeds went to Southampton and got a point off of them. So it's a winnable game. They're a little bit inconsistent. I feel like on their day you can catch them and get a result out of them. And I mean that kind of feels like Hassan Hootall in in general. He's uh, seems to be someone who can't quite get that consistency because when his Saints teams are on, they're on and they're superb. Jay Adams can be an absolute handful. Um, it sounds like Ainsley Maitland Niles and Musa Jenapo will both start. Um it's a big opportunity for Maitland Niles. Sounds like he'll be replacing Romeo Lavia in midfield, and it's an opportunity for him to play in that sort of eight role that he's not he's not been able to do really. Like that's how he came through. I think a lot of people forget it as he broke through as sort of left back at Arsenal. I think he's a midfielder at heart, and I th I think you want to feed him the ball. You want to get him the ball on his feet. He can drive it up pitch it's a really decent little footballer so i think this would be a good move for him at southampton um but for villa it'd be interesting to see where where steven gerrard goes with it will he stick with the same 11 i think it was uh jacob ramsey off the left bailey on the right watkins down the middle that leaves you with danny ings on the bench And then you have Bubakar Kamara. Looks like a really good signing, to be fair. Was it for free? Another steal. Another excellent bit of business. He's been an animal in that midfield area for them. Um, but do you, if you play Douglas Luiz and Bubakar Kamara in midfield, is it too defensive for a home fixture against Southampton? These would be the questions that Steven Gerrard will have to be asking himself. It's also missing Matty Cash, which is a big feature of their attacking play down the wing. It's a very competitive fullback. He's actually quite good in the tackle, but he's, he's driving the ball forward. He's getting into attacking areas is where you kind of want to see, see him going. Um, so missing him and having to play Ashley Young, who... Maybe five years ago, you might be more excited about actually Young playing a right back at Villa, but I'm not sure I can. <laughs> not sure I can in 2022 when he's the right old age of, uh, what's it, 37 now. So, yeah, it's an interesting matchup. I think it's going to be an entertaining, competitive game. You can sort of see where it'll be won or lost. I think Joe Reba, I'm waiting for him to to really take take hold of the Premier League. Um, he's already got his one goal on the opening day against Tottenham. Have I made that up? Is that what happened? No, he scored against Leeds. Where the bloody hell have I got that? He scored on the opening day. What a fool you must think I am. What a fucking idiot. Um, but yeah, I, I want to see him sort of take the ball and drive. And I think that midfield area is going to be a massive part of the game. Aribo versus Kamara and what can Ward Prowse do to get the ball in and around the in and around the penalty box. Che Adams occupying Mings and Konsa and Watkins against Bella Kochak. Can he get anything out of him? Or will it be Danny Ings? Will they go to a two? Will Coutinho come back in? I don't know. That's where Villa are weird at the moment. I don't think Gerard really knows what he's doing with this scene yet. All I know is that he needs to avoid any sort of semblance of a diamond. For God's sake, the bloody diamond is such an awful formation. I feel like it's a football manager FIFA setup that doesn't actually function at any point in, in a professional game. Um, he needs to drop it completely. Go with something that makes sense, but bloody hell, not a diamond. You need your whip, you need your cover in midfield. I feel like he's uh, he's trading in nothing and getting even more. So, God, that don't even make sense. What a fucking fool. It was too late. It's eight o'clock as I record this. I'm 
I've eaten my dinner and I'm just talking nonsense into a microphone and hoping people like me. Um, so yeah, it'll be an interesting game. The Sky, Sky game, of course. Uh, Villa Park under the lights. Um, this more experienced Villa against that young Southampton team. But, you know, we'll see how it goes. I think uh, Southampton will look to drive the ball a bit more. They've got players like El Unisi. Jenna Poen, Aribo, who can just carry the ball up and up the pitch, um, whereas Villa might are more reliant on on their runners, uh, and then getting balls into the box. So yeah, it'll, it'll be an interesting game. I think uh, I'm not even sure what I can predict there. Um, you can get a Salisu, you can get a Konsa Mings. I'm waiting for the, someone to get a Bella Kochak because I'm not sure it's possible at this point. He's He's an incredible young player. But yeah, moving on to uh, Nottingham Forest Fulham. And I still don't know why that's on a Friday night. It's not on TV. It just doesn't make any sense to me. I'm sure there's some reason. Like, I thought for a moment, is it a cricket? Are they playing at Trent Bridge? But no, the cricket in summer's over. Um, I don't have a clue. doesn't make any sense, but alas. Uh, maybe it's something like QPR are playing on the Saturday. QPR are playing on the Saturday. Chelsea were due on the Sunday, so maybe we our game gets... No, we're playing away. I'm talking bollocks again. Bollocks again. Ignore me. But, I mean, this is another really interesting game. Two of the promoted sides. Obviously, Fulham won the championship title. Not in the forest. Had that incredible run towards the... Well, I was going to say towards the end of the season, but to pull off a run of whatever it was, 24-odd games undefeated, um, that's, a, that's a long time that they were on top, top form. Uh, and ultimately winning the playoffs, beating Huddersfield in the world's, world's richest game of football. And Steve Cooper's kept with largely the same setup as he had in the championship. It's that... Three at the back. The wing backs have all the license in the world to go forward. Nico Williams has made Jed Spence look like uh, look like Tottenham have gone for the wrong young right wing back. Uh, Nico Williams has been superb. I think he's been their best player since they've been promoted, and obviously he knows Fulham very well from his loan spell at uh, at Craven Cottage the second half of the season. Morgan Gibbs White has come into the into that ten role that was previously Philip Zink. Zinkenakel, uh, Brennan Johnson running down the channels as he does. He's like a faux winger forward thing. I don't even know. He, he just just run, just run, Brennan. That's all. That's all we need you to do. Uh, Tayo Awonui, Awonui, Awonui. <laughs> White man tries to pronounce African surname. That's what you just saw. We'll call him Tayo. Uh, Taiwo up front. It's interesting to see where they go. Will they go for Taiwo up top? Will they bring in uh, Emmanuel Dennis that they signed from Watford for a big money? That was 20 mil, wasn't it? Um, will they bring in a Sam Surridge, who I think has been a little bit of a handful since, since coming into the Premier League? I feel like he's the type of player that might be a better Premier League player than than he is the championship one. So yeah, I think it's, it'll be interesting to see Nottingham Forest have had a little bit of extra time to bleed in these new players. Um, yeah, the, he's had time to bleed them in. Their last game was uh, obviously pre-weekend. They uh, had a 2-0 lead at home against Bournemouth, another, the third of the three promoted sides. And lost 3-2 and it's it's just a bit bizarre they would have been planning for maybe a Monday uh, it was a Monday game they were supposed to play this past Monday against Leeds obviously that was postponed and now they come against host Fulham at um I don't even know what the ground's called now I look like such a fucking idiot Jesus Christ what's the Nottingham Forest Stadium what's it called why can I not remember this? I know it's old school. It's not even a brand name or anything. 
city grounds. No, I'd blank that out of my brain completely. Jesus, and this is why you don't don't do a podcast at the end of a working day after you've just had dinner. You need a shot of caffeine and you need to get your juices flowing. And it probably helps if you prepare. I'm like old muggins here who's just done none of the above. God, I might not even put this out. It's a shambles. It's a shambles, guys. Um, but yeah, I said Nico Williams has probably been Forrest's best player since they've been promoted, offering that real driving force and outlet on that right-hand right, right hand side. But Lewis O'Brien, another, it looks, again, bargains. Recruitment done well. £5 million, I think he was, from Huddersfield. I mean, we've covered Bubakar Kamara. Bella Kochap and Lewis O'Brien. I think they probably cost about 10 mil all in. Outrageous. Outrageous. Where I do worry about Nottingham Forest is their centre-backs. I mean, Moussa Niakati's out. Oral Mangala's out. Although he's been playing midfield, I believe he can fill in as centre-back. There's um, the old Palace player. Sheku Kiate as well. Um... But I think it's a big ask for those three to deal with Alexander Mitrovic in the form he's in. Um, although the Forest have got the benefit of Dean Henderson, who's an excellent goalkeeper. I don't even know how to how to explain his level. I do think he could, when you see Chelsea playing Edouard Mendy, and you wonder can Dean Henderson play for play for Chelsea? I think he can. I think he can. That might not excite Chelsea fans, but if you're taking one or the other. I think I'm taking Dean Henderson. But yeah, I think it's going to be tough for those three centre-halves to deal with Alexander Mitrovic with the form he's been in this season. Um, if it's not for Erling Haaland being an utter robotic freak, we're all talking about Mitrovic being top scorer in the division. And all that talk all summer, and for years, it's probably two years now we've been talking, I say we, the media, the people who do not do their research, the people who have opinions that are drawn from others, the sheep of the world, um, have been telling us that Mitrovic can't do it in the Premier League. That's it. Fulham are going back down. Mitrovic can't do it in the Premier League. And it's bollocks. Utter bollocks. Six goals, six games. And he's been superb. He's been superb. He absolutely destroyed Virgil van Dijk on the opening day. He's scored against Arsenal, even in games where he's not getting as many touches. He's managing to get involved and be a real impact player. I mean, let's not forget, it could be seven for him this season. He missed the penalty up at Wolves, which might have might have put Fulham onto, onto 10 points and <laughs> sitting in sixth instead of Chelsea, actually, as we speak. But alas, we move. So I think that's going to be a really interesting point. How can Joe Worrell, Steve Cook, and I imagine Scott McKenna will be that free centre-back line-up for the Forest up against Mitrovic, who'll have Andreas Pereira playing off of him. Um, for Marco Silva, he's had some time to work with his new players as well. He's really been patient with the players he got that came in a little after preseason started. Paulini and Pereira had pretty much come in straight away. Started every game this season. They've both been very, very good. They've contributed. Jao Paulinia is insane. He's the new he's the new wardrobe. He just his ball recovery is unbelievable. He really suits Premier League football. Sometimes you wonder about these players coming from Portugal. Is, will they deal with the rough and tumble? He he lives for it. He loves it. The Premier League is built for a João Paulinho. And he's another. When you see Man United playing Scott McTominay and Fred at the start of the season. Well, João Paulinho is there for 20 million. It's been superb for Fulham. So yeah, they've been bedded in slowly. I mean, Bernd Leno has now taken over the number one shirt, uh, metaphorically for Fulham. He's now playing in goal. He's putting in some point-winning worthy performances. 
Kevin and Barbu's only played started the started the last game or did he even start that game? No, he didn't. It was against Tottenham. Of course he didn't. It came off the bench. But he's been a bit part player because Kenny Tete has been superb at right back. And Mbappé may play at left back because Levin Kazawa, the deadline day signing, isn't quite match fit yet. But there's a few players like Issa Diop. Fulham put £20 million in. We've not seen him yet. And we're talking about Fulham having a really good start to the season. We've seen no Issa Diop. Dan James got half hour at Tottenham. William as well got half hour. So it's now the time where Marco Silva's had a couple of weeks to work with the players between now and the Tottenham fixture where he catches you off guard and suddenly Dan James is starting at on the on the wing rather than the, the makeshift pair of Deca Dover, Reed and Cabana, who again have played well, they've put in a shift, but it's not what Silva would have wanted to have done walking into the Premier League season. I think in an ideal world, they would have been wingers sort of four and five. And instead, Fulham have been starting them and having to play them for 90 minutes for most of the game. So that's another thing that seems to be going unreported with Fulham. Is they've barely bled in their new sidings. And their injuries have led to sort of Tim Ream is still playing at centre-half. That's more performance-related. But they've had no Harry Wilson. No man or Solomon, who's another player they signed. He played 20 minutes at Liverpool and is now injured to what it sounds like to be post-World Cup. So they're still not, they've still not been full strength at any point. Their squad hasn't been what it could be. But as for the game, I think a Friday night at Forest probably suits Forest. Obviously the crowd will be superb. I don't think there'll be many Fulham fans there. I think the tickets were only on sale for maybe a couple of hours. And obviously it was late notice with all the political chaos at the moment. So I don't think it'll be a great travelling Fulham support. But Fulham have been excellent. Forrest crumbled against Spurs last time we saw them. But the city ground, see, I remembered it this time. The city ground has to become a fortress for them. It has to be a source of of points for them. Like it looked like it was going to be as they won their second game of the season against West Ham. Now, to be fair, they followed that up with a game against Tottenham, which no one would expect them to win in apostrophes. Um, but to crumble against Bournemouth in the manner that they did was so, so disappointing at home as well. Your home games have to be your bread and butter. It needs to be your away games where you're, where you're chipping in points here and there. So we're still yet to see what Forest are. And I think it's going to be tough for Steve Cooper to bleed in so many young players, so many young new players as well. I mean, against Bournemouth, they, it was the debut of Renan Lodi. Um, Kuyate was in midfield. They had Lingard, Gibbs, Gibbs White, and. Brendan Johnson, I don't think Lingard has really played to the financial investment that Forrester put into him. Sure, he's a free transfer, but that guy is making big money. He's not contributed to a goal. I don't recall of anything that he's done of any real note. And Forrest will want that to change. He might, he might not even get the opportunity to start against Fulham. Especially now Steve Cooper has so many options. You have to play well in order to to get these games. But I think it'll be entertaining. I think there'll be goals again. I don't think Forrest are particularly structurally solid at the back, uh, especially at this level. Uh, I think Joe Warren was a very good championship centre-half, but it's so hard in your first Premier League season. I think Fulham have frailties. They've only got one clean sheet so far this season. That was that game up at Wolves. Um, they, they do concede goals. It does feel like they need two to get a win. Uh, but the benefit for Fulham is that they're capable of scoring two, especially with Mitrovic's form. The demons from set pieces. But I think it'll be, I think it'll be interesting. This is the game I'm more interested to watch than the actual Sky, <laughs> Sky game. So we'll have to find some sort of way of tuning into the to the city ground.
But moving on to, to Saturday, the early game. Wolves, Man City. Tough game for Man City. I mean, these are these are the Acca killers. Where people think, oh yeah, City will win at Wolves. This Wolves team's bloody good. I tell you that. They are, they are outperforming their points total. I don't have the data to suggest that. But just watching them. They're technically very good. They have lovely patterns of play. They're incisive. They're lacking goals. That's their main problem. I don't have any fear of them at the back. Now, against Man City is another option. I'm fully aware that if Erling Haaland's coming up against them and Kevin De Bruyne, there's an opportunity that they can lose, sort of 3-4-0. But in general, Wolves have built, strangely, I'm not even sure if strangely is the right way of wording it, but they've built a very unique, maybe, uh, defensive setup that is very solid. Nathan Collins and Max Kilman is a really lovely, structurally sound centre-back partnership. Nathan Collins is another one that, at 20 million, is looking like a bargain. Because if he moves elsewhere in the Premier League, I guarantee you it's double at this point. He's defensively superb. He can distribute the ball. He loves defending. You can see it as you watch him play. He he enjoys making tackles. He loves having headaches on a Sunday from knocking the ball away so much. He's a unit. And he's got a decent like sort of passing range. Max Kilman as well. It's ideal. He's a left footer. Come from that futsal background. He's more of a sweepery centre half, which goes well with Nathan Collins. He can play the ball nicely. He's, a, he's another. He's, he's a very smart centre half. And at either fullback position, you've got Ryan Aitnori, who's a very good left wing back. He's been a very good left wing back. It's a different ask for him to play left back now. Maybe defensively, he gets questioned a little bit. But going forward and actually being a combative modern fullback he's an excellent proposition an excellent prospect that you want to be working with and johnny on old johnny of reliable reminds me a bit of uh cesar azpilicueta it's just solid it's just solid you're always going to get a six out of ten minimum out of johnny <clears throat> excuse me excuse me need a sip of water um and then midfield looks Top class. With Ruben Neves, Jao Moutinho and Mateus Nunes. It's a Portuguese trio of absolute sauce. That's how I'm going to describe it. It's the sauciest midfield in the Premier League. I mean, we know about Neves for years. Technically incredible. Lovely range of passing. Can score from anywhere. Mateus Nunes has played very well his first couple of games he looks really top quality he's another one like we meant, talked about Jabalina earlier this is Sporting Central Midfield Partnership Sporting Lisbon playing in the Premier League at the moment uh, Premier League Champions League and Nunes and Paulini have taken to the Premier League like ducks to water at the moment I think have I used that saying twice in this pod it's tough I'm at nearly half hour recording this and I've got to just Go on the fly. I'm making it up as I go along. But I hope you're enjoying it nonetheless. So I think it's going to be a tough game for, for Man City. Obviously the Wolves were hit. Raul Jimenez hasn't been really fully fit this season. I'm not sure if he's missing this game, but it sort of sounds like it. Uh, Guedes is an exciting signing for him. But he's not a goal scorer. He has scored goals. He has played up front. But he's not a... He's not what you call a goal scorer. Podence and Neto, again, lovely footballers. Lovely, lovely footballers. And Adama Troyore has always been a devil. Don't look forward to playing against Adama Troyore. And not many players sort of instill that where you're like, oh, bloody hell, Troyore is coming up on the bench. But you worry about his end product. And I think that is the problem with this Wolves team. It's all about end product they've had two goal scorers so far this season albeit we're only six games in but they've scored three Ruben Neves has scored one excellent goal it was at uh, 
to the, get in the new castle. Yeah, it was. Look at that. He knows something. And Daniel Podent scored. Uh, scored twice this season. Up at up at Leeds, and the winner in their last game against Southampton. But they're just missing that cutting edge. We talked about Mitrovic earlier. You put Mitrovic in this Wolves team. They're pushing top six. Genuinely believe that. I think they're a very good team. And Bruno Large is a very, very good coach. I think they could be safe by the end of the year. But finding those sort of long-term solutions in this squad is the main thing. They seem to be hit by the Chelsea number nine curse with strikers of, in recent years. Now, ultimately, let's talk about Man City at the moment. It's the best team in the division. They may be second in the league at the moment, but this is the best team in the division. Now, I'm going to find it interesting to see how City manage the Premier League and the Champions League. Will Haaland actually be playing every week? Is this why you sign a Julian Alvarez and not let him out on loan so he can play in these sort of games? You can sort of manage everyone's legs in these fixtures because it's going to be a long season, especially with the World Cup in the middle um, for some of these players. So how is Pep going to manage Champions League football and travel? They play Dortmund. Actually, as I speak, they're playing Dortmund. Uh, benefit of it being at home, but going from a Wednesday night and the prep for a Wednesday night to then the early Saturday game is tough. If I was a betting man, which unfortunately I cannot be, for reasons, I wouldn't be touching this. No chance of my touching this game. If you want the live updates, 37 minutes gone at nil-nil. If you want sort of look behind the glass at the, at the recording of the Slice of Orange podcast. Which actually brings me a little reminder. We do have a Twitter page now. It's at Slice Orange Pod. Unfortunately, people had Slice of Orange. People had oh, Orange of Slice. I don't even think I'd have gone for that. But so, yeah, at Slice Orange Pod. It's a lovely little logo that you'll see on your Spotify or whatever platform you're listening to this on. Um, that's where you'll get updates of our latest podcasts. We're going to be looking at posting sort of memes and some fun shit as well. Uh, we're not going to take it too seriously. Um, so, yeah, give us a follow if you listen to the pod. Gives us sort of a... Um, What's the word? What am I thinking of? Gives a sort of an indicator of how many people are actually listening and interacting with the pod. So yeah, give us a give us a little cheeky follow. Um yeah, and you'll you'll get updates when all our pods are dropping. We'll sort of post sort of memes and all sorts of shit on there. So yeah, City, I don't know how much more I can talk about City. Superb. Superb. I'm looking at their team that's playing in Dortmund as we speak. Kanji and Ake are at the back. Interesting. John Stone's at right back. Cancelo continues at left back. So is this a game, going back to the Wolves fixture, where Carl Walker's been rested for the Champions League game on Wednesday night and Cancelo's played? So do you bring in Walker and the uh, Sergio Gomez, the Spaniard they signed from Anderlecht in the summer? And there's your... Fullbacks for the game. Is it one where Rodri might play 90 minutes tonight? So Calvin Phillips gets a more extensive run out on, uh, on Saturday. But that will be interesting. I think it'll be a, I think it'll be a good game. I mean, City are always worth a watch. I could watch Pep Guardiola teams play football all day, every day. Haaland's the X factor, but will he start? That we're getting into pep roulette time, which is a pain in the ass if you play fantasy football. And we may actually do a few pods with a fantasy football slant. I'm waiting to sort of establish the pod with the sort of listener base, um, get into a routine of it, making sure we have a bit of a catalogue, and then reaching out and doing special pods like uh, from some decent like, fantasy football creators or. For an episode like this, I might chat to a to a City or a Wolves fan for sort of 10, 20 minutes and it'll be that rather than me waffling off the back and not knowing what Nottingham Forest's stadium is, uh, is called. It'll be a little bit more prepared, but let us get to that point. 
it might even be a 2023 job but yeah so just let us know if this is the kind of thing you're you're interested in and we move to what i believe is the premier league's only saturday three uh, three o'clock game which is a farce which is an absolute farce i think there's seven games on this uh this weekend and only one is on a saturday at three o'clock the traditional game outrageous but it's newcastle bournemouth obviously bournemouth without a manager after sacking scott parker um the squad's not strong i do feel for scott parker i don't think he's a good head coach i think he's been very overrated by the media about what he can offer he's been promoted twice with teams that should have got promoted and if he didn't get promoted it looks a lot worse on, it looks a lot worse on him it was sort of a it was sort of a lose win he gets them promoted he can say that he's got promotions to his name but my god is it disastrous if he doesn't make it happen just a reminder he had Mitrovic in the championship and we saw him score 43 goals last season finished fourth finished fourth now he got lucky to come through the playoffs with a big uh, behind closed door game at Wembley but anyway, let's digress. Let's not even talk about Scott Parker. We're talking about Scott Parker for. Let's talk about Bournemouth and the job Gary Neal's done. Not much of a job. We don't really know. Could be his last game. Um, I don't really know where Bournemouth are with their managerial search. I don't know who they're going to be looking at again. This would have been a good pod to talk to a uh, to talk to a Bournemouth fan about. Uh, but you got a big big result at Nottingham Forest. We've spoken about it briefly. Coming from 2-0 down at half-time to win 3-2 would have been really, really pleasing for everyone. Especially in the in the wake of the Scott Parker fiasco. And that's probably how they did it. I say how they did it. That's simplifying football too much. But when you go through a traumatic event now, ultimately it's Scott Parker being sacked. How traumatic can it be? when you go through that sort of way where Scott Parker's been calling you all awful, basically, let's say it. Kept saying, the squad's not good enough, my players aren't good enough, I need more money to spend, blah, blah, blah. He's finally out. The weight might have, it might be lifted a bit. Gary O'Neill just keeps it simple. Believe in yourself. I know you can do it and you get a result like that. This is where things start kicking on and wheels start turning. You start snowballing some results. So that will be interesting to see. I don't quite know how it'll shape up. Um, my probable lineup is a four-four-two with Kiefer Moore and Dom Solanke up front. Handful, old school football to Vernier and Ryan Christie on the wings. Adam Smith and Jordan Samora on the at fullback. Lerma and Cook is a very traditional sort of team setup. I think it'd be a difficult game for for Newcastle, but I don't know what the Eddie Howe has done there. My. God, can we remind ourselves of how awful Newcastle looked at the start of last season before Eddie Howe came in. And that, Eddie Howe's sort of resurgence, that Newcastle team, has walked its way back into back into this season. They should have beaten Palace at uh, last week. I keep wanting to say last weekend, but the last Premier League game week. Um... They need to turn the draws into wins. But I don't think they'll be complaining about getting a draw at sort of Man City. They should have won the game at Palace. I mean, they lost at Newcastle with the last kick of the game. They've had a start which could have gone very differently points-wise. But they look excellent. They look really, really good. Bruno Guimaraes is... A outstanding player. He's got to be one of the best midfielders outside of the top six. Even then, that might be rude to suggest otherwise. But they're taking plenty of shots. They're incisive again, like like Wolves, because I don't have a thesaurus of footballing terms. Terms apparently, it's a lot better if I can sit there and plan stuff out. Maybe that's the trick next time. That, that, yeah, here in Trippier, excellent start to the season. Um, 
Bruno Guimaraes is actually doubtful this weekend, but I think Alexander Isaac was an excellent signing for him. Seventy million in hands is a lot of money, but I do truly believe they've bought one of the best young players in Europe, young number nines in Europe, and they've got him to develop behind Callum Wilson, albeit Callum Wilson's injured at the moment, but there's not too much pressure on him to to score goals immediately. You don't find people that look like him as a number nine every week. He's got build. He's 6'4". He's strong. He's got speed. He can run in behind. He's like a, it's like an Erling Haaland light. He's not got that sort of robotic nature about him, but he's a goal scorer. And he's been inconsistent so far, albeit. But he had one incredible year in La Liga. He scored 17 goals. Uh, for our Sociedad. I was actually lucky enough to catch him for Sociedad at uh, Barcelona in the last game before before lockdown. Um, yeah, it was the next week. Spanish league fixtures were off. Him and Martin Odegaard played in a 1-0 loss at Barcelona. It was a Lino Messi penalty. But he was very bright then as well. You could just see him running the channels. But obviously, you hear of these players through the for the youth ranks and the video games and and all sorts, but he looks the part. So I'm very excited for Newcastle to have to have brought a player like that. I mean, and Joel Linton is playing like a man possessed at the moment. He's a really good sort of number eight midfielder, <laughs> and he was being forced to lead the line and have his back to goal and all this sort of stuff. When really the trick was play him in a midfield three. With uh, Gimarash and a defensive midfielder. And that's that's the trick. He's been really bright. He drives the ball forward. He's, he sort of asks a different question with his digs from distance. He can combine with players. He can, he can overlap. He can make that run in behind. He's a real handful. And he's a unit. Again, another physically imposing unit. He can play the power game in. In midfield. Six one he's built like a brick shit house. So I think it's gonna be a tough game for Bournemouth. I feel like any game for Bournemouth this year is gonna feel like it's a it's a benefit if they don't lose. And they should be happy if they don't lose. It seems a bit harsh to say because it's making them sound like a they are making up the numbers. But I do I don't think their squad is good. It looks like a championship side playing in the Premier League. And that's not necessarily been the case for Fulham. I mean, it's been the case for uh, Forest at time, but Fulham for sure. Who uh, weren't that many points above you in the championship. Uh, yeah, the results have been sort of end and end. But I think it'll be a tough game for Bournemouth. I'm going to rack through these uh, some of these games a little bit quicker now. Stop. Sort of going on off tangents about God knows what. So uh, there's another late Saturday game. What the? Bl- oh no, never mind. We just went through the only three o'clock game. See, late night. I've eaten. Long day at work. My brain's not all there. So yeah, the late game on Saturday. Tottenham Leicester. Oh, Leicester are a mess. Brendan Rodgers is struggling right now. <laughs> That team is a struggle. It's in a really odd place as well, that lineup. I mean, we're just going back to their last game against uh, against Brighton where they conceded five. They had Wilfred and Didi playing at centre-half. James Justin had a bad injury, but he didn't look good. Luke Thomas has had moments when he's come through, but I don't know why a club of Leicester's stature and Premier League status is relying on a lad like Luke Thomas he's had the odd game but I don't think he's looked special maybe that's harsh of me and this is going to look outdated in a couple of years but I feel like he's had moments and he's had spells but I don't think he looks like a player that's worth throwing in at left back Madison I think has had a really good season I think he's creative he's been back to his best but he seems to be having no help from anybody else um, and they've been their signings haven't been that good. Obviously, they 
had all the chaos with Wilfred and Dee Wilfred and Dee I mean Wesley of Fafana, of course I mean Wesley of Fafana. It has the feeling that Jamie Vardy is very much past his best. Um, yeah, he's he's been struggled to stay fit for a couple of seasons now, where he struggles to play in all the games. But now he's like the performances aren't there, and the performances aren't there from Leicester at all. Yuri T. Elements is again having a good couple of games, but not the player he was it feels like they're actively regressive it is it can't just be because they've sold a couple of players and not bought anyone this summer they should all know that system they should all know exactly what's being asked of them and they're all over the place i mean one of their best players this season it seems to be is it kieran uh kieran and dewsbury hall out of the academy but he's 24, he's not a young player, let's stop, uh, let's calm ourselves down with there, he had his breakthrough year, sort of last season, but after uh, playing for Blackpool and Luton before then, but yeah, 24, let's not, let's not act like he's uh, this young academy player who's full of beans, and I'm just going to stand up a bit, because I've actually realised my legs are fucking killing me sitting down here and waffling for all this time see look movement I'm getting some movement in the pod and i'm just going to stand up and waffle into a microphone it's going to be a tough ask for leicester but again they're up against a tottenham side who are dealing with their first away premier league game and they lost against sporting that will hurt and i feel like it's weird these champions league games because they worked so hard to get into that top four. And they were so excited to be here. And a loss like that at Sporting, it just kicks you in the nuts. And now you've got to travel back back home. Probably came back home late on Wednesday morning. Back in training for maybe one of those cool-down sessions. You work with the physios, it's sort of just movement. Some little stretches going. Then you play, you train properly on Thursday, Friday, and then late Saturday you're playing against Leicester. It's hard to manage these fixtures. Again, it'll be interesting to see how Conte uses the squad. Strong team. Just realised I sort of dipped down. Didn't bring my microphone with me. What a rookie error that is. Am I letting you in behind the curtain too much? Who knows? It'd be interesting to see how how Tottenham again rotate rotate their squad. We saw Richarlison start uh, in place of Kulusevski. Does he continue? Then you bring in Kulusevski for maybe Son, who's still is he still yet to score? I believe he is. Not even a check this time. Um, Perisic played left wing back at Sporting. Do you chuck Sessegnon back in? Uh, Emerson Royale's at right wing back. Do you go Jed Spence? Do you go Matt Doherty? Or do you keep just running him into the ground? Hoiberg and Bentacore have been the reliable centre back, centre back, centre midfield partnership. Is this going to bleed in a Basuma? And that's why you sign these players. That's why you have these big, expensive squads to use them for games like this. Um,. And it's hard to blend it all together because you're not playing many games. Well, I don't think Basuma's started a fixture yet. I don't think Jed Spencer's started a fixture yet. Suddenly being thrown in to start against Leicester, who are, albeit, a poorly performing team. But they're a team together, let's say. You'd think they know what what's being asked of them. That would be it. I probably would have sacked Brendan Rodgers by now, but I'm not his biggest fan. I think he's ridden on the coattails of success previously. I think his Swansea team was very good. But I also feel like he was lucky to take over Swansea that had set up a, set up a system already there. 
he didn't really have to do too much to add to it. He used his contacts to bring in a uh, Fabio Barini on loan, who was obviously too good for the for the championship back then. I mean, when was that? Was that? It was like a lifetime ago. Is that like oh? 2010 again like Scott Sinclair was obviously too good for too good for the uh for the championship at that point he again used his contacts at Chelsea um but yeah it was all it was all set up there before him you had Paolo Souza was uh in charge in charge before Roberto Martinez also. But Swansea had been in a position where it it was there. It was ready to go. Joe Allen had already started being bled through. Bled, bled, bled through. There we go. Bled through. He had some decent young players, but, you know, I don't, he didn't build that team. He had one season in charge and took them up. At Liverpool, he got lucky. Okay, that seems harsh to say, but he got lucky that Luis Suarez played, paid off. And that Coutinho paid off as well, actually. But he uh, took a punt on Daniel Sturridge, who had his best career year. We've barely heard from Daniel Sturridge since, but, you know. But at Celtic, he had the most money in the league. And Rangers didn't, weren't even knocking about at the time. I don't think they've got promoted yet. So they'd had years to build up a lead on Rangers. I'm not a fan. I do think uh, Leicester should get rid. I just feel like his time has kind of been and gone a little bit. I don't think some of those players are improving. And I don't think the recruitment's been particularly good. That's just me. I would expect the Tottenham win. Wouldn't be surprised if Tottenham mix it up that Leicester can get a result there, but I would back. I'd back the Leicester, the uh, Leicester loss at the Tottenham Hotspur Stadium. They're on a great run of form as well, Tottenham, I believe. I think they've won five or six games on the bounce at home. It's their longest winning run at the uh, new stadium. There you go, you get facts on this show as well. The first game on Sunday. Uh, it's one of two. The other two Sunday games were postponed. I know Chelsea-Liverpool was due to the Queen's funeral, but I'm not quite sure why Man United-Leeds was. Maybe it's the same case, like policing, but I don't think it's happening up at Manchester, so, you know. It just seems like they want as many police as possible for a potentially rowdy game up in uh, Manchester, but who knows. So yeah, Arsenal are coming off their first loss of the season against Man United. I think Brentford at uh, G-Tech Community Stadium. Now, how do I know that, but not know the city ground at Nottingham Forest? <laughs> Who knows? But I think Brentford, away at Brentford is a tough game. They've just got things set up right. When you look at one of those non-top six Premier League teams, and I need to stop calling them the top six. They're technically the big six, what you think of as the big six teams, but they're not always the top six clubs in the world. When you look at a Brentford, and it's the same with sort of a Brighton. Brighton are a few steps ahead. I think Brighton have got a few few more quid um, to their name and obviously a few more years of Premier League football to their name. But you can see a team that's run right. You can see it done from head coach upwards and that bleeds into the starting 11 and the squad built. So it's going to be a difficult game for Arsenal. But they they look a new breed. They've got guts. On top of being excellently coached, they can seem to be able to grind out a result now. I mean, like the game I'm thinking of against Fulham. They went one down. They dominated for 60 minutes, went 1-0 down. And that's a game there at times over the last decade they lose. Or they get a point. And they managed to nick all three. 
And that's the difference. And that's sometimes things you can't quantify. When we do these podcasts, when we talk in the media about blah, 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 sometimes you can't even talk about it. It's just a spirit. It's a feeling. <laughs> I sound like such a knob. But do you know what I'm trying to say? Um, it's just something in the air, something beyond what's, what's happening on the pitch that is helping Arsenal get results. And it's surely not as simple as just having Gabriel Jesus and Zinchenko, who have been superb additions. Do they help you grind out results? Who knows? Who knows? I mean, they definitely help you get more points, but a game like that, where previously they'd lose or take a draw? I don't know. So yeah, it'll be a tough game for them. I think Brentford are a good team. They've built a good squad. Rico Henry's a good little good little fullback and Aaron Hickey on the other side. It's an interesting tactic to rely on Aaron Hickey's two-footedness to be a natural left back playing at playing him at right back. He's done all right so far. Obviously he had some time in Italy. Hearts before then in Scotland. Ivan Tony, I think, is gonna be a right handful. But going by the uh Arsenal Fulham game that I spoke about before. Arsenal dominated that ball so much that Mitrovic could barely get uh, barely get a touch. Now, when he did get a touch, he mattered, scored the opener. But it's going to be so hard for Ivan Tony to get touches and meaningful touches. Now, the added benefits being at home, obviously the crowd support is a little bit more intimidating for Arsenal. We're going to try and dominate possession. So, yeah. I think it's just going to be a, another competitive game. And this is what you like about the Premier League. Is we can sit here. And I'm sitting back down now. Because I am saying that I'm going to sit here. <laughs> and talk about all of these games. But. There's. Difficulty in predicting them. It's so competitive. You can make an argument for every single one of these games going one way or the other. Especially this weekend, I think, with the away fixtures, etc. But I think this will be a tough game for Arsenal. I mean, if you're asking for my viewpoint, I'd back the draw. But I'm also an idiot, and I don't gamble, so there we go. We'll move on, we'll finish. I'm flagging, guys. I'm flagging, my throat's drying up. I'm not used to talking into a microphone for an hour. I'm running out of things to say. So we'll finish looking at the weekend's fixtures. With Everton West Ham. Oh, what to say about this? I mean, West Ham looks shit, doesn't they? <laughs> oh, that sounds harsh to say. I mean, they were unlucky not to get a point at Chelsea. That goal should have should have stood... You know, obviously one at one at Villa, but Villa are in dire straits at the moment. They've got a point at home to Spurs. They don't look good. They don't look good at all. And again, they're another who's gonna have to deal with the midweek the midweek journey. They're playing Silkborg. Now call me ignorant. Where is Silkborg? Where is Silkborg? Is that Denmark? Denmark. Silkborg. Let's give it a cheeky Google because what says unprepared, like Googling live? Yeah, Denmark. So yeah, they've got to travel from Denmark on a Thursday uh, Thursday night. Again, I, I keep talking about it. They're going to be travelling, okay? You know they're going to get back Friday early morning. I don't need to say again. Fucking waffle man over here. And then they're going up to Everton, which will be, which will see this as an opportunity to get their first win of the season. They've got four draws on the bounce. Everton have shown themselves difficult to score against. You know, Frank Lampard's really focused on defence being a big part of their setup. They can get, if they can rely on scoring just one to get a result, I think that boosts their chances, especially while Dominic Calvert Lewin's injured. And whilst you're still trying to work uh, Neil Mopay back into the team, 
mean, thankfully, they've had uh, Anthony Gordon able to chip in with goals to get them results. The defence, they look really difficult to score against. And West Ham look like they're struggling to score goals. I don't think it's going to be an entertaining game. I don't think Everton are going to be a pretty team to watch, in particular at any point this season. But it might just be what they need to sort themselves out a bit. I feel like they need a couple of years and a couple of windows to really sort out what's happening there. It's been such a muddle for so many years from David Moyes leaving. You've got some Martinez players there. You've got some Allardyce ones. You've got some Marco Silva players. Ronald Koeman's got a few. You've got a couple of Angelotti boys. It's chaos. They just need to sort the squad out. And maybe Frank Lampard sort of focusing on more offensive game is is the way to way to go about it. And maybe at some point he'll try and release the shackles a little bit and get them going forward a bit. But yeah, I don't see I don't see West Ham dealing with the trip to Denmark and then going up to Everton with ease. I think Everton will see this, as I said, an opportunity to get three points from a game. I think they are... Their fans will be right up for it. And they're going to be... They're a massive part of this club. The fans. Going to Goodison Park is intimidating. And they're right on their side. And I do think this will be a game where Everton gets their first three points. That's what I would back, but I'm not a gambling man. For reasons. And I don't know what more I can say. I think Anthony Gordon's been a really good player for Everton this season. You sort of saw him break through last year and you think, oh, okay. I've seen players like this before, so especially in, in, in the wings, where it's quite easy to flash in that position. The odd dribble, your goal, shot from distance decent cross whipped in every now and again like that's kind of how the vibe I had from him he was a flashy player you could get flashes out of him but this season he's taken it up a level and this is what intrigues me and I think this is why Chelsea were looking to spend big money on him that ultimately they couldn't get over the line it's because he's taking this team by the scruff of his neck feels like he's his team and the star he's the star player and if anything's gonna if they're gonna score goals it's going to be for Anthony Gordon. But I'm interested to see how they bleed through some of these new players. Amadou Onana's had a good couple of games to start off his Everton career. I mean, James Tarkowski, we know for years in the Premier League, but he's a solid, reliable centre-half that I think has given them a presence at the back. Connor Cody, again, will do the same. But it's goals. It's goals are their problem. And they're going to hope that Neil Malpe can really start getting the ball rolling he's never been a prolific goal scorer but if he can chip in with seven eight nine ten goals a season you can see Everton's defensive structure giving them a platform to get enough points to stay in the Premier League again and then again you get another window you can start to rebuild you can start to let Frank Lampard have maybe more of a license on this team so yeah, it'll be an interesting season for Everton in particular. I think West Ham need to bite the bullet a bit. And they did in their last game. They gave, um, they've given Skumaka, I say their last game, I don't think it was their last game. They've given Skumaka a, uh, a start. Was it their last game? I can't even remember when their bloody last game was. Against Villa. Yeah, yeah, it's against Villa. They won one nil. Skamaka started up front. You got, you just got to bite the bullet because Mikel Antonio can contribute, but you don't pay all that money for a sexy young Italian striker to play Mikel Antonio at top in the Premier League. You got to bite the bullet. You got to let him play down the line, feed crosses into him because he's bloody brilliant with his head. It's an absolute presence in that box. And when you've got players like Jared Bowen, Aaron Cresswell, 
even four nails floating around. Uh, Lucas Paqueta as well. I think it's going to be a really good player for them eventually. Corne, Ben Rama. Sometimes just keep it simple. Down the line. Float a ball in. Let him try and get his head on the box. Get, in, get his head on the ball. Blimey, and my voice is going. So this is the time to end this podcast. Really enjoyed going for the extended one. I've spoken for over an hour now. My throat is killing me. Um, but I appreciate any of you that listened all the way. Give us five stars if you're listening on podcast apps that give let you give five stars. Remember to follow our Twitter page, which is at Slice of Orange Pod. Uh, I've been Frankie Taylor, and I've really enjoyed previewing the weekend of football with you. <laughs>